dynamic, and totally prepared. Here's Patricia Raskin with Positive Living on the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm so happy to be with you today and be part of Voice America because Voice America's goal is really to provide live programming on the Internet worldwide that helps you make informed decisions in your personal and professional life. Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. And each week I have experts on a variety of topics to help you, uh, again, improve your life. And today is certainly no exception. I have a great guest on today. Uh, and you can give us a call. And the number to call is 888-335-5204 on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. My guest today is Rabbi Peretz Scheinerman. He is the dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School in Providence, Rhode Island. And the website is phdschool.org. We're talking today about how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home. Welcome, Rabbi Scheinerman. Thank you, Patricia. Okay. Here's, here's my first question, and it's not one of the ones on my list, but it's one that I really think about. You know, I know in, in the, the practice of Orthodox Judaism, which is different from folks who are Jewish who are more conservative and reform, in terms of the schooling. I mean, the, the children go to Hebrew schools, and they're with like-minded children, and you have a certain way of teaching. And it's, you know, it's a wonderful way of life in many, many ways because the children are learning certain things without the outside influences, except that we still are in this world and your children will go out, they'll go shopping, they'll go to Walmart, they'll go to the grocery store, once in a while they'll turn on TV, and they may see things that are not appropriate, because that's what we see in the world <laughs> all the time, even more so now than before. So I guess the question is, how do you deal with that with children? What do you say to them to make it okay for them when that's not what they're seeing out there? Okay, um, I guess what I would like to do really is to say that, first of all, 25 years ago when I first started in education, uh, I used to believe that many of the challenges of modern society uh, may not face us or uh, face, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Jewish population and the fact that we, you know, that maybe we're a bit more sheltered and maybe drug addiction or alcoholism or abuse, et cetera, these are items that just don't affect our community. Mm-hmm. And what we've certainly learned over the years is that it does. Uh, it may not affect us in the same manner, but it's certainly there. Mm. Uh, I once remember a great rabbi talking to a group of principals, and uh, we were talking about the concept of health education. And he said to us that a father once went over to his child, and he said, you know, you're 12, 13 years old. It's time for me to teach you about the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which the child answered to his father, Dad, what do you want to know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's true I think, today. Uh, 
what the rabbi was trying to illustrate to mm. us is that we don't want our children to get information uh, from the wrong places, mm-hmm. so it's really our job to go ahead and to teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most important is to teach by example. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if children see us as being something other than what we preach, we certainly can't expect them uh, to grow up when they're missing those role models. Mm-hmm. The other is, I think, you know, if, if let's say you're a family that embraces, let's say, television, and you're watching a show and you find something that comes up on the show and your feeling is, well, this is really immoral or this is really a problem, then mm-hmm. that's something that you should use as a tool for teaching. And, uh, you know, to teach your children. Uh, and the other thing I think is is we really, uh, at some level, certainly need to uh, embrace the benefits of modern mm-hmm. society at some level and use that as a teaching tool for our children. Well, uh, As an example, I mean, our students are involved in mock trial, and uh, they've won third place in the state of Rhode Island, but they were certainly exposed to many children from, mm-hmm. you know, many different uh, areas within the Providence community. And I think that exposure uh, helps them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so. And, and my question to you is, would it be easier for an Orthodox Jewish child because the role models they see at home 90% of the time are very positive in terms of family activities, um, you know, just the, the role model that's really kind of set by the religion and the tradition is something that we've gotten away from. So wouldn't there be less problems among Orthodox Jewish children because of the positive role models? We would like to hope that there is, certainly. Um, I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, within every community there is dysfunction. In other words, uh, mm-hmm. children that come right. from children that come from divorced homes uh, where, you know, clearly there are issues that the children are dealing with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think within every school, you're always going to be dealing with at least 10% of your population of children that have special needs, uh, be they in whatever category that falls into, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly where there are special needs. Now, uh, and I think kids in general, as you said, are exposed to the real world as well, so mm-hmm. they certainly need guidance. And it's, and it's a tough, I mean, it's tough. I know sometimes I turn on TV just to see what's on, and I'll tell you, and even and let's not talk about you know, just inappropriateness in terms of dress or, or the sexual issues, but just in terms of some of the the horror kinds of things that you see with murder and, you know, very graphic things that are very upsetting to watch. Now, we know those things happen in the world, but I, I think it's upsetting to me. It's got to be upsetting to a child. There's no question that it is. And, I, you know, I think that's, uh, that is a reason why, you know, many... Uh, there are Orthodox families who have braced, embraced a, you know, no TV policy mm-hmm. within their homes mm-hmm. or are limiting the media in terms of what children are or aren't exposed to for precisely the reasons that you mentioned. Yeah. Let, let uh, me ask you. At the you, same time, you can't ignore the real world. Right. Let me ask you this, because one of the things you talk about is you talk about the children need unconditional love. But, you know, that's a, that's a funny word because we often think of unconditional as, well, that means you can do anything you want without conditions. I don't think that's what you mean. Correct. I think what we're talking about is, uh, number one, giving children the opportunity uh, to feel that they're valued, to feel that they're loved, mm-hmm. to recognize their own special talents, 
even if they don't necessarily show up on the report card, mm-hmm. uh, to give them a chance to succeed at a, at least one small way each day, uh, to constantly praise them when they okay. do things that are right and the praise needs to be specific. Um, or if you see something that you you know that you may not like what they're doing, is to help them understand that what you're disappointed with is what they did, uh, but you're not disappointed with them as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. To encourage them uh, to understand that they have unlimited potential, that the potential is there. I often uh, tell students in school it's a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So uh, showing them that they have a lot of options for the future, that they can set their own goals, encouraging them to really aim high. Uh, and I, I think one of the most important things is that they're a part of that process, that they have choices, mm-hmm. uh, that it's not authoritarian, that they have choices. And uh, as one of my mentors, Rick Kerwin, Dr. Rick Kerwin, once said, the choice is yours, good luck. Uh, when you have choices, that means you're in control. You feel like you're a part of the process. But you may not always make the right choice. That's, and that's correct. Something you may else. not always make the right choice, but that doesn't, you know, you may fail as well. And I think what we need to teach children is is that you might fail at something 99 times. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just mm-hmm. means you learn 99 ways that it doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> that's great. That's great. We have a couple of minutes before the break. Here's something else you talk about. Planting the seeds for future successes, programming your children to believe that they're special so that they'll grow up to be special. Correct. Um, well, I guess what I'd like to do maybe is to illustrate a story. Uh, it, it is a Jewish story, but it's a story told by a gentleman by the name of Rabbi Kellimer in, who lives in Israel and does a lot of work on parenting. Mm-hmm. And he said basically, you know, as he raised his child in Jerusalem, he constantly strove to, he strived to always tell his child that he was holy, you know, that he was a, a special person and that he was holy. And, and, you know, this was really the motto that he uh, tried to teach his child. That was his bumper sticker, so to speak. And they once went off on a trip somewhere, and uh, the child in the middle uh, decided that he needed to use the restroom. Now, if you know anything about Israeli buses, uh, the drivers certainly are not going to stop. So this was a one-hour trip that they were heading out to, and finally, after an hour, they pull up, and he sends out his whole family to, you know, search and rescue, find a, a restroom, and they finally do find one, and it's in a bar, and the child begins to cry, and he says, I can't go in there because I'm a holy person. Mm. So the point being that the father had trained his child to always believe in himself in a certain way, and this little eight-year-old child felt I can't go in there because it doesn't fit me. So, uh, in other words, raising your child and constantly telling them uh, that they're good at whatever it is or whatever the Mm -hmm. expectations that you have of them uh, is something that will hopefully hold them instead for the future. However, in reality, I mean, that's important the child said that, but if the child really needed to use the facility, what would you say as a parent? I would say this is an emergency and go. But I think the point I was trying to illustrate here was not whether the child was right or wrong. I'm sure the father did send him in in the end. Right. It was just the manner in which the child reacted Mm -hmm. based on years of training from his dad. Yep. 
I have my nieces and nephews are Orthodox Jewish, and when my when I was with them at my parents recently, we were watching a movie together. Two of the nieces and nephews were watching the movie with me, and there was one scene in there, and it wasn't you know it was it was uh, there were two people getting together and hugging and holding, and the niece and she's probably was ten. She said to the to the brother, she says, "This is inappropriate. We shouldn't be watching this." And they either put their head down, or they clicked it off, or they did something. And I was, it was, I was really impressed with that. It's very similar to what you're saying. That was in the training, and you know they saw it, but they knew it wasn't something that they should see. So, and this, so it was, it was. I thought that was very positive. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest today is Rabbi Perret Scheinerman, and he is the dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School. We're discussing how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home and in life. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. There's plenty more. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Information you need, when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the trader's coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the trader's coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. Ever wonder what's in your future? Why you are the way you are? Or what your dreams really mean? Then tune in and call in to The Jackie Marie Show with professional psychic Jackie Marie. With over a reported 90% accuracy in her psychic predictions, Jackie Marie answers your questions on psychic phenomenon, dream interpretation, numerology, astrology, hypnosis, recognizing your own psychic gifts, and so much more. Along with her co-host, Alan Richard, Jackie also provides her psychic insight on celebrities, politicians, new items, and a mystery of the week. That's The Jackie Marie Show, broadcast every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern, on voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio. 
You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. As I say, each time I'm always very happy to be part of Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. I really saw when I did this four years ago that the Internet was the wave of the future and more and more people use the Internet, and this is the way to get up this very, very important information. You can call us at 888-335-5204. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. My guest today is Rabbi Peretz Shireman. Dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School in Providence, Rhode Island. And we're talking about how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home. And you can log on to phdschool.org. Welcome back, Rabbi. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about um, really helping your children succeed at school, one, by, by helping them be the best they can be, but part of that is having very good communication between home and school. Talk about that. Terrific. Often, you know, what you have at times in schools is, uh, you know, where it's kind of the parents and the teachers, and they're not necessarily, or the principal, and they're not necessarily viewed as, as being on the same side. And I think one of the things going in with our children is to understand we always want to be in a win-win relationship with the staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, After all, they're the people really that are empowered to help our children on a day-to-day basis. So it's important to, uh, you know, whenever there's a consultation, uh, number one, that it's supportive, that we're there with a shared goal of helping the child. Uh, Often what takes place, unfortunately, is at the dinner dinner table, there's uh, the criticism of what the teacher did or mm-hmm. what the principal said, or what mm-hmm. took place at school, mm-hmm. and uh, that obviously encourages disrespect uh, from the from the form of the child, and clearly will never help him to be able to be successful. Uh, Except for one thing, Rabbi. What if, in this case, the teacher or the school was wrong and the child was right? I think it's okay to disagree privately when you're in your bedroom after the children are sleeping. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to call the principal and let mm-hmm. them know that you think there was an error. Mm-hmm. But never do it in front of your children. Because, okay. Uh, what I often say is uh, don't take what your children say as being gospel. We won't believe everything your children say about you if you don't believe everything they say about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. really I think it's the question of teamwork. Uh, I think it's important, obviously, for parents to validate their children's feelings and to help them understand that they're going to try and help them to resolve the problem. But that's very different than criticizing. Mm-hmm. I think if the teacher feels supported, they're going to go the extra mile for your child. And and, uh, it, and if something is wrong and they're not doing something right, I'm sure that you're not the only parent that's talking about it. There are other parents talking to the teacher as well, correct? Correct. Uh, okay, that, that's 100% true. But I think there, in, in that case as well, it's important to go directly to the source rather than, you know, parent A who's calling up every parent in the class to find out, did your child also not know the homework tonight or mm-hmm. whatever it might mm-hmm. be, uh, to go directly to the source. But really to realize also that teachers, is an, it's an elevated position. Uh, teachers are entrusted 
to be with our children probably for more time than, you know, that we as parents are with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And they're not just another worker on your payroll and that right. they really need that to support. Well, and well, usually when the support is there, uh, they come through. What if the child, though, is having problems because they have learning style differences? You know, they learn differently and they're frustrated because they want to learn, but they're really having problems. What do you suggest there? Again, I think it's a question of the partnership. Um, certainly, you know, when you notice that these types of problems are happening, uh, often the teachers may not have, you know, all the answers. And having your child tested professionally, either through the public school district or through private practitioners, is often a good idea because what they can usually do is come up with a summative uh, list of recommendations and guidelines for teachers in terms of uh, what learning style best fits my child, how they're going to work best, what types of modifications is the teacher going to have to uh, make in the program for my child. Uh, I think one of the most difficult things for parents is is to accept that the child may have some learning difference. As I, a child told me this week, she said to me, I'm dumber and my six-year-old brother, he can do math better than me. And obviously, frustration breeds frustration. And, you know, often we say children have three buttons on, off, and disrupt. And if they're not on, it can turn into disruptive behavior. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for those parents as well as to realize that a modification in, pro- in, in a child's program is not a depreciation of personal value. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's necessary in order to help their child succeed. Um, does that come sometimes breed low self-esteem, and if it does, how do you work with that with your child? Well, I think the, the smart teacher is able to recognize and realize that every child does have talents and to try and focus in on those uh, specific talents and to simply say, you know, uh, there's the famous saying at school where kids say, but it's not fair. We all know that, you know, mm-hmm. famous statement. And what I always say is fair is not equal meaning it's really a question of what the child needs, and that's what we need to give them in order to help them succeed. So I think it's, you know, trying to focus in on the areas of strengths that they do have. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that in real life, people only have to often succeed in one or two areas, mm-hmm. but at school we're, ex- we're expecting children to succeed in, you know, many, many areas. So it's a question of highlighting their successes rather than their weaknesses. Okay. Here's a question, because um, being Jewish myself, I know that education is a very, very strong value. There's a very high value placed on education, and we don't all we don't all have the same intelligence, nor do we all learn the same. So, what if you have, and, and often Orthodox Jewish families are large. There may be five children, there may be ten children. So, let's say that you have, you know, several of your children are very bright, very intelligent. They're going to go on to college, possibly graduate school, and you have one child or two children who have a different kind of intelligence. You know, they may have more of a mechanical or a trade kind of intelligence. They may not, you know, go to the same kind of college. They may go to a two-year school, or they may get technical training. How do you, uh, and I think this is a good question because I think it's hard. I mean, how do you deal with that when, you know, your other children are doing really well in different area, how do you show that other child that they're valued just as much? I think, again, it's a question, number one, of never comparing children. Okay. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes people make is they compare their children or the child that comes home with a 90 
which for them is a great grade or an 85. And the first question the mother says, uh, but how did Sherry do on the test? Mm-hmm. So automatically the child feels that you're comparing them. It's important not to compare, but again, it's constantly to give them that love and to build their self-esteem and to help them to realize how good they are mm-hmm. at what it is that they do. Uh, and how do you as a parent get that in your own head? You know, sometimes we as parents say, well, gee, I wish my child had the brains of the other child and I wish they would be the lawyer or doctor or accountant and they're not going to be. How do we justify that in ourselves so we don't transmit that sort of nonverbal feeling to the child? I think it's really a question of realizing that every child is different. Okay. And every child learns differently. Uh, you know, one of the axioms that we teach, it says educate a child according to his way, for when he goes, gets old, he will not stray from that. Mm-hmm. And one of the great rabbis gave the following interpretation. He says, regardless of how, you know, what it is that we're going to do in terms of intervention, Many of these things really do stay with kids in terms of, you know, the way they dress, the way they act, uh, their intelligences. Mm-hmm. So it's a question of educating them according to their way mm-hmm. and their way. So if they do need those modifications, we need to be supportive and we need to right. show the child that we're very proud of them for mm-hmm. what they can do mm-hmm. and, uh, and not to, as you said, get into, well, all my other kids went to Harvard right. or to wherever it would be and therefore this child is, is is not there. What right. we find actually is many of these kids actually are, are quite successful in business and quite mm-hmm. successful in other things mm-hmm. uh, far beyond their, you know, super bright siblings that went to all the right schools. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think that brings me up to the question before the break is being the proper role model for our children because, you know, we all have our biases and our little hidden, you know, our little hidden agendas. So what do you say to parents as a rabbi and as a principle, to kind of get, you know, change their thinking a little bit? I think uh, there's a number of things. I think uh, we should never underestimate uh, having them read stories and telling them stories of, of people that were real people mm-hmm. that were successful, inspiring stories. Uh, I, I know just this week we had a program on the Holocaust, and I think uh, there probably wasn't a dry eye in the room and every child left that room feeling very, very inspired. Mm-hmm. Or if we're looking at the, the Shabbat meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question is, what's the focus of that meal? Is, is the meal really, you know, to discuss whether the New England Patriots are going to win on Sunday or not? Is it a Siskel and Ebert movie review or, uh, you know, or a sporting news recap? Or is it actually a meal where you're going to use it as the opportunity uh, to share something that's inspiring or to review mm-hmm. uh, some of the things they've mm-hmm. studied at school. And I think you're showing them basically what's meaningful to you, mm-hmm. and that's called being proper role models. Mm-hmm. If someone calls, if you want to impart in your child never to tell a lie, and someone calls and asks to speak to the dad and the father says to the child, tell them I'm not home, then clearly you're giving them a mm-hmm. message that you're, you, know, you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. So I think that's really important. All right. We're going to take a break. My guest is Rabbi Perrette Scheinerman, Dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School in Providence, Rhode Island. We're discussing today how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. We're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I always say, I'm so happy to be part of Voice America, because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now. That's what my program is here to do, Positive Living. We really help to inspire you and to give you positive solutions and practical principles so you can live happy and successful lives. Today is no exception to that. We have on a great guest. My guest is Rabbi Peretz Scheinerman, and he is the dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School in Providence, Rhode Island, and we're talking about how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home, and you can log on to phdschool.org. Welcome back, Rabbi. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about, and this is interesting because, you know, Jewish children, and particularly Orthodox Jewish children, have a certain way of seeing things. They're trained in a certain way. And Judaism has been 
you know, it's been on the chopping block for many, many, many years. And so, you know, you wonder if our children see Judaism as a burden or as an exciting way of life, um, or both. Talk about that a little bit. number of comments. I think uh, going back a couple of years ago, uh, Rabbi Schindler, who was the incoming uh, president of the reform movement, said, if we can't train our children or educate our children, then there's precious little that we can expect of them. And uh, I think that is an area that's really lacking, meaning that uh, we know that from a Jewish survival perspective, children that attend, Jewish children that attend Jewish day schools, uh, the rate of intermarriage goes down significantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly children that attend Jewish high schools, be they Orthodox, conservative, or reform, that number once again goes down even more significantly. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're looking at really is uh, strengthening their culture, strengthening their ideals. But I think as far as, you know, when we talk about happiness and the performance, clearly that's something that's crucial because uh, we know as learners, if we're not inspired in a class that we take, it's not likely that we're going to take the class seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the verses that we study in the Bible is Tachat Asher Lo Avaratem Et Elokim B'Simcha. One of the things that we're judged upon is for not worshiping God with happiness. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that our children see their Judaism, or really from any religion's perspective, mm-hmm. that it's not a burden, mm-hmm. but rather it's an exciting way of life. Uh, yeah, I th- and I want to ask you something that's a little bit off the subject of parenting, but not exactly, because I, I, there have been statistics on this. You know, the, the rate of failure of marriage in this country is uh, 50%, and then when you remarry, it goes up. I mean, the statistics aren't great, but Orthodox Jewish marriages, uh, they, the divorce rate is very, very, very low. And I, this isn't a direct comment about parenting, but I'd, I'd like you to comment on that and maybe how that ties into parenting as well. Well, I think there's, you know, it's twofold. I think, you know, at some level, I once took a course in school and society at Adelphi University where I got my master's degree from, and I still recall the Chinese lady that was in our class, and she said, you know, by us there's no divorce. She says, my husband, he likes rock and roll. She says, and I like going to the library. She said, well, my husband had to learn to appreciate going to the library, mm-hmm. and I had to learn to appreciate rock and roll, so right. there's no divorce. Right. Uh, I think what we find in today's world, unfortunately, and certainly this has crept into the Orthodox world as well, is that we very much live in a me generation, and if our mm-hmm. own personal needs are not fulfilled in a marriage, then often we believe, well, the marriage has failed, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. look for something else. I think it's really uh, trying to realize the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of a partnership and that no one expects it to be easy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and parenting you... is not easy and marriage is not easy, and it's something that really needs to be worked at. But uh, don't you think also maybe one of the reasons that the children who marry and marry or, you know, Orthodox Jews as well, the reason their marriages succeed is because they've seen their parents' marriages succeed. I think there's no question. In other words, all the studies show that uh, children who come from divorced relationships don't stand as much of a chance in terms of their own personal marriages. So clearly someone who's grown up in a family where there's a very healthy marriage, 
uh, clearly they have a much better chance uh, at succeeding in their own personal marriages. But we're certainly finding as well is uh, that this is an area where people need to be trained. There are skills that need to be learned. There are strategies. There are now marriage workshops that are being presented every single day mm-hmm. to Orthodox married couples in terms mm-hmm. of strategies to help them succeed mm-hmm. in terms of their own personal marriage. We live in a difficult society with yeah. dual, dual working families where everybody's working and working hard, and uh, there's no such thing as this is my job and it's not yours. So we kind of have to learn how to share those responsibilities in a home in order to bring it all together and make it work. Mm-hmm. Everything that I hear you saying is it's a conscientious effort to make it work. It just doesn't happen. You've really got to be right on top of it. You take the training that you need. But, I mean, this is something that you have to be devoted to and really work at it. A hundred percent. That is correct. Uh, I think just like, uh, you know, when we go into business, so we're, you know, a person who's smart in business is going to constantly be, looking for opportunities to grow professionally. Right. Uh, and he's going to invest in terms of his career. He's willing to work till late at night. He's willing to take the extra courses that he needs right. because he's driven to succeed. Right. Uh, and in the same way, in a partnership, uh, you know, whether it's just as the husband and wife in their own professional careers are striving to succeed, uh, need to do so as well in terms of the challenges of parenting and in terms of the challenges of marriage, clearly it's an investment. It doesn't come easy. I think uh, anyone who thinks that this is something that has a cure, uh, there is no cure. It's really a, a question of hard work. Mm-hmm. And before I get to this divide and conquer question, which is about, you know, we, we want parents to speak with the same mouth. You know, they have to come up with a consistent view on discipline and consequences, and that's a whole other program that I would like to do with you, but I do want to ask you about the Sabbath because I think that this whole concept of really being still and quiet and working with your children as people and being together and having family time that's really forced on you in a way because of the Sabbath, uh, to me, has a very positive influence on the whole parent-child interaction. Talk about that, please. I think it's 100% true. In other words, I often can't imagine... When I see the stresses that were placed on us in the average work week, uh, I can't really begin to fathom to myself what it would be like if I were working seven days a week. And having that Sabbath as a family day is something that's crucial. And having it connected spiritually through the Shabbat meals and through the prayers and through everything else that we encounter over that Shabbat is something that's certainly very empowering and special. One of the things that we find from a parenting perspective that's especially valuable is giving our children quality time, which Mm -hmm. means uninterrupted time and time when you're simply able to listen to them Mm -hmm. and, you know, allow your children to share with you what it is that's on their mind without interruption, without commenting. And it's vital for the children to see that you care enough to take the time to understand what they're going through and how difficult life can be for them. Uh, Sometimes this can be just five or ten minutes per child, but certainly a Shabbat is a time when that can take place, when you have a little bit more time, when the stressors are not necessarily there uh, in the same way that they are all week long. 
certainly it's better to, you know, have that as something that goes on all week long. And there are rules to this contact. Mm-hmm. The rules are that you don't take any phone calls, no TV, no radio, no other children in the room, and the child can really talk about anything that they choose, and you're going to just listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a story told of a child who went into the other room, and, you know, the rule was, you know, during dinner, uh, you know, they only talk about certain things, et cetera, and the child called his father from the other room, and he said to his father, well, you know, you always take the phone calls, you know, during the meal and talk to other people, so I figured mm-hmm. if I give you a call, I might get a chance to talk to you. Oh. <laughs> so uh, giving the children that type of quality time is really important because that is a form of what I spoke about in terms but of... But what you've also just, that thought. example you gave, also said that, you know, the, the parent wasn't walking their talk. They wanted the children to do certain things, but they were they were doing something else. Correct. So it's, it's you know, you have to, as a parent, if you're going to tell your children you need to do this, you as the parent need to do it too. Correct. In other words, if you're telling the child to go to Hebrew school because it's so important... Uh, you know, for them to study in Hebrew school because they may not be in a Jewish day school, uh, but then you don't find for yourself or for your family any time when you show any interest in your own personal growth from a religious perspective. And again, this would certainly apply to any religion. Mm-hmm. Then clearly your children see it's something you're telling us to do, but you don't really believe in it yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you have to walk your talk, and that's really, really important. Okay, we have uh, really just about a minute to break. So, um, parents listening to this, what advice would you give to them? And these are parents that may not come from Orthodox Jewish families that are really, um, you know, they're just having trouble communicating with their children or they really don't like what their children are doing. And so have to give a short answer and we can come back to it. But just a general comment in general for parents. I think there's a one, number one is accepting their children for who they are mm-hmm. and, uh, and accepting the fact that it's possible that they may not have made good choices in certain areas, but you still love them. Uh, and uh, being able to accept them really for who they are uh, when you take them. And they may not look exactly the way you want them to look. They may now have the long hair or the earring or whatever it might be uh, that's really offensive to you. And you're walking with them on the street, and the one side of you says, I want to bury myself in shame, and the other side of you says, well, I'm going to do what's right. And then you, you introduce them to your friends, and you say, hey, this is, you know, this is my friend, you know, this is, excuse me, this is my son so-and-so, and you, know, and you show that you really care for him. And I think mm-hmm. the minute that you could, the children understand that you can get beyond some of those difficulties, mm-hmm. they can accept much more. Uh, the advice that you're trying to impart to them. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest today is Rabbi Perez Scheinerman, Dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School in Providence, Rhode Island, and we're talking about how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home. And you can call us at 888-335-5204. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com.
informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world. The Internet's number one talk and information station. VoiceAmerica.com How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Positive Living is on Voice America on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. You can still call us at 888-335-5204. And we've been on the air four years. And I have another show that's a local where I live that's been on the air nine years. So it's very exciting to bring such powerful guests to help you live the kinds of lives that you want to live. And today's no exception. My guest is, is Rabbi Peretz Scheinerman, Dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School in Providence, Rhode Island. We're talking about how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home. And you can log on to Ph.D. School. Dot org. Welcome back, Rabbi. Thank you. All right, let's talk about don't let your child play divide and conquer, that you must speak with the same mouth, that you've got to have a consistent view on discipline and consequences. Please talk about that. I think it's really important for parents to uh, have, uh, you know, certain guidelines that they kind of follow, you know, where there's a vision for the home and goals for the home and that those, those goals really need to be in sync with each other. 
because what tends to happen otherwise is a child asks mom to do something, and if mom's the toughie, so then five minutes later he's by daddy and he's, uh, dad, can I really go? I really want to go. And everybody's going and all the other excuses and reasons. And uh, if parents have the understanding that they all kind of understand that there's mutual goals, discipline, and consequences, so children are unable to do that. I think it's important also uh, that parents need to avoid the public types of arguments mm-hmm. or worrying children about areas um, that are really not necessarily in their domain. Uh, in other words, constantly worrying children about financial burdens. I'm sure they sense it as well, you know, without that. But really to burden them with it uh, is, is probably not something that's uh, going to be helpful in terms of offering them the skills that they need to succeed. Do you think, Rabbi, that parents should have the child help them solve problems? Should there be a joint problem solving if there's an issue? There's no question about it. One of the things that I believe in terms of discipline, but really uh, the same thing holds true in terms of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if it's the teacher's desk and the teacher's books and the teacher's pencils, Robert De Bruyne in his book, You Can Help Them All, uh, he states that then, you know, if the child really has no vested interest in the process, uh, it's going to be much more difficult for them to buy in. So certainly I can give you, you know, an example of a family where uh, there was a lot of TV use in the family to the point where uh, at one point they were in a store and the child said to their mother, this goes back a number of years, he says, Mom, we really got to get home because I dream of genie is on. The mother kind of realized that it was really overtaking their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, The TV was really overtaking their lives. Mm -hmm. And she did something interesting, which I think was quite smart, and that was to ask the child when he got home to make a list of what he thought were the benefits of watching TV and what he thought the weaknesses were. Mm -hmm. And it was quite interesting, but the child's list of weaknesses uh, came out much, much higher, and uh, the list was much lengthier than were the benefits. So in a sense, what ended up happening in this family was when they gave up the TV, it was almost like the child was making the decision not to have the TV as a part of his life Mm -hmm. or to cut down the number of hours, Mm -hmm. whereas... You know, if we want to, you know, investigate the reverse, if the parent were to have come home and said, Johnny, all you do is watch TV. Every time we're in a store, you can't wait to get home because your favorite show is on, and therefore TV is canceled in this house, that assertive model would have brought about a negative response from the child, whereas in this case you have the buy-in because it was the child deciding that this was something that was valuable for them. So certainly wherever we can have buy-in, that's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. You also talk about that, you know, when you are at your wit's end as a parent, that you're not alone and that you have God. And I mean, that's what religion's all about, and that you should never underestimate the power of praying for your children. Talk about that. I think it's interesting. I once heard from a rabbi who, uh, he was also, you know, worked as a chaplain in the hospitals. And he said that they did a study in terms of uh, a group of people uh, that were ill, uh, who had prayers being said for them, and in you know another group of people where there were no prayers being said for them. And it's interesting, but they were able to gauge that there was much, much more progress yeah. in terms of the health of those that were being prayed for. 
So I think certainly in homes where religion is a value and even where it's not, it should be a value, I, I think we should never underestimate the power of the help that we can get from God. And I think, you know, often, uh, you know, God is constantly showing us messages of support. We don't always yes. see them. Yes. And, there, you know, there was an article back of several years, I think it was a study at Duke University, but there have been studies that have shown that, that prayer really does heal. The people who've been prayed for or prayed over, that there's a difference in recovery. There's so, no question about it. Yeah, it's really been shown. I think an important thing as well is that to remember that God never throws us challenges that he doesn't think that we can handle. And many people may feel that they're at it alone. They can't discuss the issue with somebody else because they're embarrassed. Uh, but that's really not the case. It's important for a person to feel comfortable to seek guidance from his or her spiritual leader right. and to try and get the help that they need and to try and find solutions and ideas right. uh, that are going to help them to succeed in terms of this problem uh, that they're going through in life and to realize it is resolvable and it is achievable. It's just a question of putting everything together to make it work. Okay, Rabbi, we have a couple minutes left. So if you would like listeners today to get one thing out of this program on helping their children succeed at school and at home, what would it be? I think it's, uh, I, I would have to say the most important thing in today's generation is really giving our children that feeling of love and support. Mm-hmm. I, I think children in general are raised uh, with great difficulties of self-esteem in today's society. And uh, being able to give them that self-esteem, there's uh, there's no such thing as being giving our children too many compliments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important when we give them compliments that they're quite specific. It's like our supervisor working, you know, coming at us at work and saying, "Hey, Patricia, great job." That's a meaningless comment, right. a meaning, meaningless compliment because it's not specific, and it doesn't tell the child what it is that they've done right. So children need compliments on an ongoing basis. At the same time, children really need structure. Mm-hmm. And I think giving them that structure is something that helps them to succeed. I think parents are often scared away by structure or they're good at the unconditional love, but they're not so good at the discipline side because by unconditional love, we, don't, we certainly don't mean undisciplined. I think children need that structure. They need a place, a system within the home. They need guidelines as to when they do their homework and how they do that homework and what are the expectations that we have at them. But they certainly need a lot, a lot of love. All right. Thank you so much for being on the program, Rabbi Scheinerman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay on the line for me. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Rabbi Scheinerman, Kurt Scheinerman, who's the dean of the Providence Hebrew Day School, who's been talking about how parents can help their children succeed at school and at home, and you can log on to phdschool.org. Next week we'll have on Dr. Scott Holtzman, M.D., nationally recognized husband, expert, and psychiatrist, and author of The Secrets of Happily Married Men, Eight Ways to Win Your Wife's Heart. He will discuss the steps that men can take to build a relationship and enhance their marriage. And you can log on to secretsofmarriedmen.com. Folks, you're listening to Positive Living. We're on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And uh, log on to raskinresources.com for a copy of Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, which I've written. And if you go to voiceamerica.com, these programs are archived on their site. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great day. Thank you.
Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Thank you.